Good morning. Um, it's, oof. The um, hours have changed. I'm a little bit tired this morning. And I'm just going to warn you. So, um, because, you know, last service, I totally told them to open the book of chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and didn't give them the book of the Bible. <laughs> so I'm just asking you to bear with me. In case you guys don't know me, my name is Zach, and um, I'm a senior in high school at James Robinson High School right down the road, and we won our state championship uh, uh, for basketball. Um, I will be attending UNCC in the fall of 2016 and majoring in pre-business and uh, getting my real estate license uh, that year as well. If you guys don't know me that well, up until this point, uh, you guys probably know me as the big tall guy or the big building that you see around the church every day or Sunday. <laughs> um, some uh, cool, interesting facts about me is that I'm like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, sorry, Darren Nixon. I'm very sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, my favorite restaurant is Chick-fil-A. And I have a scar on my leg from bike racing, and I was bike racing with my sister's bike. <laughs> so I had flowers all over the bike and stuff. So, okay. um, without further ado, uh, get your Bibles out and stand with me and read Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10. I'm a bad reader, by the way. Just warning you. As verse 1 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live, and you followed the ways of this world, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work, and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them, at one time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature uh, objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by God you have been saved, and God raised up from Christ and sealed us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is grace you have uh, been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can be boast, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, with uh, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day, and um, you know, thank you for the good weather this whole week, and uh, please be with me, Devin, and Austin as we give the word and as people share our word and we everyone has a good day today and just may pray. Amen. You may be seated. So um, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of the breakdown of what me, Devin, and Austin are going to do. I'm just going to give out the introduction and some a few couple facts about uh, the book of Ephesians and Devin is going to give out... Uh, He's going to go over verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2, and um, Austin's going to go through chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. So, um, some interesting facts about um, Ephesians is that it was written by Paul, 
And actually some scholars claim that um, it was actually a follower of Paul, an unknown follower of Paul or an imitator of Paul that written the book of Ephesians. I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, the purpose of Ephesians is actually there's no specific occasion or problem that inspired this letter, though. Paul does mention that he um, desired of uh, writing the book of Ephesians um, to know that he was in uh, fearing confinement or in our words today, like house arrest or kept in captivity. Um, there are uh, two main themes in the book of Ephesians, and then there's like eight that are broken apart. A little bit. Um, the first is Christ has uh, restored or reconciled all creation to himself and God. Um, you know, I know this is true because uh, this Friday, um, my uh, sister, she had a softball game and we went to Bojangles and it wasn't Chick fil A, so I was, I was okay with it. So, um, and I, uh, knowing me, I am a talkative person and. Um, I'm a talkative person, and um, there was a person in the cashier, and she knew me right off the bat, and it turns out it was one of my good friends um, in the seventh grade, in middle school, the dark ages, where we don't need to come back and bring up. <sighs> um, and, um, you know, she really didn't have any friends in middle school, and I always made the urge to talk to her. Um, you know, she did go to church, but she wasn't very... She was trying to stay away from the youth group because they, she felt like she, he, I mean, they didn't like her. And I was like, no, just speak to them and you'll be fine. And five years later, um, it turns out that, you know, I spoke to her and they, uh, she told my parents that how big an impact that um, I did for her and what um, I've done and that she can reach out more. And she has friends in the youth group and she stays active in the church today. Um, the second main theme is that uh, Christ has united people from all nations and to another church. It provides unity among diverse peoples. Um, it shows that like all of every one of us in this church are very diverse, but yet we all come together as one and worship the same thing and together as one. Um, and then the eight themes that are broken down in uh, this chapter. Um, the, there are three of the key themes that we're going to go over today. Um, and number one is in verse, uh, chapter, in Ephesians chapter two, verses one through three, is that all people are, all, are by nature spiritually dead, transgressors of God's law and under the rule of Satan. Um, and Devin's going to go over this. And then, and the second theme is that in, uh, Ephesians chapter two, four, God predestined his elect to redemption and holiness in Christ according to the free counsel of his will. And the third one um, is in chapter 2, verse 4 through 14. Uh, God's rich in mercy in Christ has saved sinners. This free gift is by grace through faith alone. And 4 through 8 is, I'm going to tell you guys these things. Um, we're not going to talk about them, but I'm going to tell you guys anyway. Um, the fourth one is Christ's earthly work of redemption was part of his cosmic uh, reconciliation and exaltation of his age and the, ne um, and the next. The fifth one is uh, Christ's reconciliation entails uniting all people, whether, uh, whether it is a Jew or a Gentile, into um, his one body, the church, as new creation. 
Christ's people are renewed uh, to his lives of holiness and thought, word and deed must uh, reject their old sinful lifestyles. Um, holiness of life entails submission to the proper authorities and loving con uh, considerate care for those submissions. And the last one is Christ has given gifts to his church to bring about her, um, her unity, maturity, and defense against the onslaughts of the devil and his allies. And so um, with that, I'm going to give uh, Devin the floor, and he's going to go over uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Good morning. I was earlier in the week, I was a little concerned and nervous, I guess, about getting up here and preaching, but Cole Connor informed me that none of you could eat me, so I'm not really not really worried anymore. You know, some of you look a little hungry, but we'll get you out of here in time for lunch. Don't worry. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Devin Munn. I turn 18 years old this Tuesday. Um, I go to Hickory Ridge High School over in Harrisburg and plan on attending UNC Charlotte next fall. Uh, with a major in marketing. Um, I also work at the Nike factory over at Concord Mills, and if I could have found a Nike suit today, I probably would be wearing it. Um, <laughs> I have absolutely loved my time in the youth group. It's been just a great experience in the past couple years. Um, I've done pretty much everything from ski trips to snowbird to uh, the ever so great lock-in. Um, last year, last year uh, in March, we went to New York City, and that was a great experience, just going and working with all these um, schools and children and homeless people um, and helping them out. And we're getting ready to get on a plane next week and head to Malawi. So we all appreciate your prayers as we go on that uh, big journey in our lives. Um, looking at Ephesians, the first 10 verses of Ephesians are about the past, the present, and the future of believers. Today I'm going to be going through the first three verses, like Zach said, and show you the life before salvation. So today my first point is making a I want to make is being dead in our trespasses and sins. And I'm going to start by reading again. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. I want to also follow by reading Psalms 51.5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Here you can see that from the beginning, man is born into sin. There's not really anything that we can do about it. It's just the way that it is. Since Ever since Eve uh, took a bite of the fruit, man has just been condemned to sin, and we're of sinful nature. We're spiritually in dead inside. We don't have a spiritual heartbeat at the beginning, and this is due to a lack of a relationship with God. John MacArthur says this, Man does not become a liar when he tells a lie, because he is already a liar. He does not become a thief when he steals. He steals because he is already a thief. And so with murder, adultery, covetousness, and every other sin. Committing sinful acts does not make us sinners. We commit sinful acts because we are sinners. We are sinners because we are already born into sin. There's no way to ever escape this sin without a relationship with God. God has a standard of perfect holiness. And without, or with all this sin, all we can do is be apart from God and be sinners. Because of this separation, we can't do anything but fall short of his standard. Like it says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Man in this sinful state can do nothing but fall short of God's glory. And man, or 
pursuing a relationship with him will do nothing but fall short um, and spend eternity away from him if we lack that relationship. Um, Now moving into verse 2 of Ephesians, you will notice where it says, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. This prince of the power of the air is referring to Satan, and Satan has a role in every sin um, ever since the Garden of Eden. He pulls us all in and really, I guess, sets us off the, right, or off the wrong track from the beginning. Um, it is a lack of a godly relationship that traps us in this hopeless and lost stage, and Satan drags the lost down with him um, and into the course of this world, as it says in verse 2. This brings me to my second point, the people of this world. The course of this world includes many things passions of the flesh, chasing the desires of the body and mind, and idolizing material things. Matthew 15, 18 18 through 19 lists some more things. But what comes out of the mouth precedes the heart and defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Now everyone loves nice things, I'm sure. Everyone likes getting the new iPhone, nice clothes, shoes. For me, it happens to be Nike clothes and shoes. Um, it's you know, a little bit of a problem, but I'm okay. Um, but some people, it might be cars or a TV show that you like, um, but we can't allow these things to control us. We can't let them consume us and bring them down like into this worldly level. Um, let's see. And there's, like, there's not necessarily anything wrong with these things. It's just, like I said, we can't let them consume us and take control. Um, all of these things drag us down and create that further separation from God. This is a big battle for everyone that we all face at some point in our lives. Paul's purpose in writing this is not to show how unsaved people now live, but to show believers how they formerly walked in sin. All of us once lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. And as sinners, we deserve the full wrath of God, and without that personal relationship and turning to God, that is what we will face. Because of this natural sin, we can't enjoy the good things of this world like truth, righteousness, inner peace, and happiness. Without Christ, we would one day see the full wrath of God displayed and be condemned to eternity in hell. But it is possible to find reconciliation through Christ. I want to share a a short part of my testimony with you. Um, Before my ninth grade year, we went to a camp called Snowbird, which I absolutely loved, and I'm sure most of the youth will back me up on that. Um, it's just a fantastic camp, and uh, the week we were there, we focused on having that personal relationship with God and studying the Bible every day, and this really had a big impact on me. It kind of changed the way that I thought, as when I returned home, I started doing those quiet times, whether in the morning or at night, um, and praying more often, and it really, it really does change a person, um, but this is really a big thing, and I think it's a crucial part of every Christian and believer's lives. Um, so I, once I started doing all of those things, I just felt like a much better person and I felt much closer to him. I mean, it's just very important to develop that close relationship with God. Um, I have several people in the youth group that have kind of encouraged me through all this the past couple of years, like Zach and Austin, I've known most of my life, um, as well as most of these people here behind me. Um, and they've really helped shape me and make me who I am today. And I'm very thankful for that. Um, <clears throat> It's possible for all of us to find reconciliation through Christ. Only through him can we be saved from the controlling things of this world and the wrath that we all deserve. I'm going to close with another quote from John MacArthur. Because of Christ's past work of salvation in us, we are presently and eternally under his love and delivered from the natural human condition of death, sin, 
alienation, disobedience, demon control, lust, and divine judgment. With this grace extended to us, we can be broken from the chains of Satan and find true salvation through Jesus Christ. And I'm going to let Austin come up and talk more about that. Good morning. Like I told the first service, that's always been a big dream of mine to come up and say good morning to a group of people, and they all say good morning back. So, sorry. Um, as Devin said, uh, my name is Austin Moore, and uh, for those of you who don't know me, I am a senior at Northside Christian Academy, and I have been going um, to church here for 10 years. Um, funny story about uh, this church and how we got here. Um, when my family and I moved up here, um, we really only visited this church, and it's kind of because of me. Um, the first Sunday that we, that we came here, um, we did, I did children's worship, and that was a pretty cool experience for me. I had never really been in a church where um, there was a children's worship. And so um, when we got in the car after church, I looked at my parents and I said, this is where we should go to church. I don't want to go anywhere else. And so we've been here um, ever since that. So um, some of you might view that as a bad thing. But <laughs> um, just kidding. Um, I appreciate Devin and Zach going first. However, in this case, um, the best will, or the last will not be the best. Um, to begin, I would like to thank Kevin, my parents, and everyone else who, is, who um, have been praying for me and my two friends as we have prepared for this message. I only ask one thing of the audience, and that is that you bear with me, um, and as a reward, I'll think about letting you out early. <laughs> a rare occasion, as we all know at this church. Um, <laughs> With all kidding aside, um, I am extremely excited to be standing here before you, um, bringing them, bringing them, uh, breaking into the Word um, on my last youth Sunday. Um, I have watched uh, the previous youth get up here and bring their messages, um, and I remember thinking to myself as I sit in the choir loft with the ensemble, I hope I never have to do that. <laughs> well, here we are, and um, I do view this as, a, as an honor and a privilege to be selected um, with the, my other, with Devin and Zach. Um, I will be preaching on verses... 4 through 10 of Ephesians as a follow-up to Devin and Zach. Um, while preparing for this message, Devin, Zach, and I pretty much instantly knew what it was that we wanted to speak about um, because this passage um, is really the foundation of the Christian doctrine. Understanding this passage is uh, crucial because it is the basis of having a relationship with God. Um, so let's go to, the, go to the scriptures and please follow along as I read. Um, Starts off in verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your, of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Um, in this passage, talk, Paul is talking about what life looks like before Christ, as Devin covered, the hope that we have in Christ, which is verses 4 um, through 7, and then he transitions and talks about what life should look like after we have received Christ. Um, this morning I would like to bring three main points from, the message, from this passage to you all. The first of these points is God's inter intervention on our behalf. The first words of verse 4, but God, pack a punch and really stand out because Paul transitions from talking about how dark and dreary life without Christ 
is into um, God's arrival and his intervention on our behalf. These two words signify God's arrival at the scene. This signifies where hopelessness and helplessness stop. Um, John MacArthur says about the intervention of God, it's as if a person were driving down the street and he carelessly ran down and killed a child. He would probably be arrested, tried, fined, and imprisoned for involuntary manslaughter. But after he paid the fine and served the sentence, he would be free and guiltless before the law in regard to that crime. Paying his penalty before the law would do nothing to restore the, the life of the child or alleviate the grief of the parents. The offense against them was on an immeasurably deeper level, and the only way a relationship between the parents and the man who killed their child could be established or restored would be for the parents to offer the man forgiveness. No matter how much the man might want to do so, he could not produce reconciliation from his side. Only the one offended can offer forgiveness, and only forgiveness can bring reconciliation. This is the great truth of salvation, because, as we all know, God has already offered us forgiveness. He has already put forgiveness on the table, and all we have to do is reach out and take it. Um, once we have taken his free gift, God takes us from the sin that we were all living in before receiving salvation through a violent change or metamorphosis and makes us alive together with himself and his son. Salvation is from or away from sin. This is important because turning away from sin or repenting or turning completely away from your previous actions and setting your sights directly on Christ is absolutely necessary for salvation. Repentance is necessary because we must separate ourselves from the sin that we were living in, as Devin was talking about in verses 1 through 3, before we can renew our connection with God. Because of God's love for us, Christ took all of man's sin, mine, yours, and everyone's from the past, present, and future, just so that God could show us his mercy and grace for all of eternity. The purpose of Christ taking on man's punishment is found in 1136, which says, For from him, and through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. God sent Christ to die for our sins so that he could receive the glory after we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. As I have mentioned already, salvation is from sin to life. Verse 5 says that God loved us and showed us mercy even while we were dead in our trespasses. God takes us from the state that we reside in in verses 1 through 3, and he makes us alive together with himself. We are made alive, and being as such, we are together with Christ. Um, while preparing for this message, Kevin told the three of us um, to really let the Bible comment on itself. And a great example of the Bible doing this is um, when it talks about Zacchaeus, the wee little man. Um, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and he was well known in, in uh, the region because of his occupation. The people of this time viewed tax collectors as um, the most evil people on the face of the planet. And while we have an organization that collects taxes, um, the tax collectors of this time had to go door to door and a lot of times they would add, a, add um, money on top of the rate so that they could keep some for themselves. Um, the people couldn't stand up to the tax collectors because the tax collectors carried the power of the government. Um, but Zacchaeus comes into play not because of his occupation but because of his story. He had heard stories of Jesus healing and doing other miracles and much like others in the area, he was excited that Jesus was just going to be walking through his the region that he lived in. Um, as the story in the song goes, Zacchaeus climbed up in the sycamore tree just so he could catch a glimpse, of, a glimpse of the Messiah. He was called out by Christ and he hosted the Lord of Lords for supper. At this event, Jesus confronts Zacchaeus um, about, and convicts Zacchaeus of his actions. And Zacchaeus, because of the hope that he sees in Christ, turns and gives away money that he had wrongfully taken from people. 
He even gives the people back some extra money because of the radical transformation in his life. Because of God's love and mercy, he was changed as we are when we accept what Christ has done on the cross for our sins. Zacchaeus provides an excellent example of a person going from sin to life away from his past actions. God intervened on his behalf just as he has for all of us by giving us Christ who took our sins on the cross. This brings me to my second point. What happens after someone accepts Christ and salvation and the salvation that he brings? What are the results of salvation? Once a person accepts Christ, he has, as already stated, joined together with Christ. Being joined together with Christ means that we are now part of God's family, and he has prepared a place for us in heaven. And once we have accepted the work of Christ, this, this place is guaranteed to us. Ephesians 2, 6 through 7 tells us what occurs after a person accepts the finished work of Christ. The first immediate occurrence is the person, uh, the person is renewed on a spiritual level. Every person that has lived, living, or will ever live has a soul, and that soul is going to end up in either heaven or hell. The destination of the soul is determined by the decision that they make regarding Christ's actions on the cross. Um, if the person accepts what God has done for them, then the person will reside for all of eternity in heaven with God. In heaven, God will lavish upon his children the blessing, uh, his blessings, mercy, and grace for all, of, for all the ages um, for eternity. This does not mean, however, that God will be waiting um, for us to give him commands in heaven. Um, no, instead, heaven exists so that we, the sinners that we are, um, can live for all of eternity in the presence of the Most High God, singing out his praises and giving him glory forever. Salvation is by grace through faith. And now if you've, grown up, if, if you've grown up in the church or you've been in church for a while, you've heard this statement, salvation is by grace through faith. So I really wanted to break into what this meant. Um, so when we say faith in God, like we were talking about here, um, we were talking about uh, fully relying on God for everything. If salvation was not this way, then we would be partially responsible for our salvation. And this cannot be... Um, not only because the Bible says so, but also because of what Devin was saying, um, man is inherently bad, meaning that man is born with a sin nature, as verse 3 says. Verse 3 says, You were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. With this sin nature, which has been passed down from Adam and Eve into all people who have ever lived, we are imperfect, and therefore we cannot forgive ourselves um, for the actions that we have committed against God. Um, as imperfect beings, we cannot give ourselves salvation, just like the man in the story that I read earlier could not um, forgive himself for um, accidentally killing the child that he killed. It was by the parents, and only by the parents, that the man could receive forgiveness and be reconciled to the parents, um, just as it is between us and God. Salvation requires the sacrifice of the spotless lamb, the perfect sacrifice, and this being Jesus Christ. The next part of the statement, in the statement, salvation by grace through faith, is grace. Grace is defined as an unearned act of God. God has shown favor towards us even though we have failed to uphold his most basic commands. So at its most simplified level, salvation by grace through faith can be translated to salvation occurs by receiving an unearned and undeserved act of God, this being Christ's death on the cross, through fully relying and trusting in what God says. So after Paul conveys the message of what salvation is and uh, what the results of salvation are, he transitions into um, what a Christian's life should look like after they have received um, the hope that God has given us. This brings me to my third point. Salvation is not by works. 
In the world today, there are an estimated uh, 4,200 different belief systems or religions. And all of these, and out of all of these, Christianity is the only one in which you don't have to complete a list of works to receive salvation. Many Christian denominations require that a person complete prerequisites before he can um, officially be granted salvation. Um, the uh, belief system of Islam, the uh, Muslim people, are another group in which a person must find favor with Allah before he or she can be granted salvation. Another prominent religion, Buddhism, requires a person to find their inner peace before they become, can become enlightened, giving them the so-called ability to reincarnate after death. The list goes on and on, but my point is, the Bible clearly states in Romans 10, 9 through 10, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So according to Romans, um, by confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart, then you have received and attained salvation. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, tell us about works. Um, salvation cannot be earned through church membership, baptism, or any other religious activity. Salvation requires a person to ma maintain a relationship with God and obey his commands that are stated in the Bible. Salvation is not earned by doing good works. However, this does not mean that good works are un um, not important in a for a, a person to do. A person who has truly received the grace and love from God the Father will want to show others the grace that they have received. This is the purpose for community service, local and international business or mission trips, caring for others, etc. The true believer will have a desire to share with others what Christ has done for us through his death on the cross. This is where good works come into play. Good works should be used to show others the grace and mercy of Christ, and they should assist with carrying out the great commission found in Matthew 28. Good works should be produced by salvation, not good works produce salvation. Good works attest to someone's actual spiritual growth, and true good works will be done with a good attitude. Having a servant's heart is praised in the Bible, and as being such, we should all have a desire to serve others. Um, for those of you who know my sister Lennox, she's always looking for ways in which she can um, serve others, and this used to be something that I uh, kind of looked down upon, found it quite annoying because it, it would always come out whenever I would have a friend over. And so I remember one specific time um, I had a friend from down the street um, come over to my house, and we were just kind of hanging out and talking. And my friend was complaining about having to pay for um, something very simple. It was probably like a bike chain or something like that. Um, but anyway, Lennox decided to go into her room, and she broke into her piggy bank. Um, and she's probably six or seven at the time. She grabs a $20 bill, and she brings it down to my friend and offers it to him. Um, the innocence in her eyes almost convinced him to take the money, but of course he refused. Um, we should all strive to have the giving heart of an innocent child who barely understands what, what is appropriate and not appropriate to give to others. Salvation is truly shown by a person who desires to show others the love that Christ showed to us by dying on the cross for our sins. A person who has received salvation will want to magnify that love and grace to others. Salvation comes from knowing Christ, and not just knowing the truth of Christ. In closing... Paul wrote this passage to the church in Ephesus, but as all, passages, as all passages in the Bible, the truths are still applicable today. If you're feeling called to salvation by the Holy Spirit, then don't let that call go unanswered. Um, if you have already committed your life to Christ, but you feel called to recommit your life to him, do so. The Bible says life is but a vapor, and none of us know what the future holds. 
If you were feeling this call, don't let it go unanswered. Handle it this morning, and Pastor Scott will be down front. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for the honor and privilege that um, Devin, Zach, and I had to stand before uh, the church and uh, share uh, from Ephesians 2. I pray that you would really let what we said resonate um, in the audience's heart and that they would um, not let calls go unanswered. Um, Be with us as we go from here. Keep us safe, Lord, and bring us back next week. In your name, amen. Thank you, guys. Would you stand, please? Uh, Folks, I want you to think about um, what these three young men have presented to us this morning. Uh, You look at Ephesians 2, and you see that there's only two positions that all of mankind is in. And it explains your state this morning and my state. Either you're under the wrath of God... You've never been reconciled to God. Or, through God's grace and love and mercy, you've been reconciled to Him through the person of His Son, the Lord Jesus. Every person in here this morning is in one of those two states. Which state are you in? Do you need Christ in your life? It's not my judgment it's not their judgment the scripture says you're under God's wrath if you're outside of Christ you need Christ if that's your state this morning and by the way it's a state all of us have been in at some time or another in our lives if that's the state you're currently in I want to invite you to come forward I would like to pray with you one of our other ministers can pray with you You may want to come forward this morning confessing Christ publicly. He said, if you confess me publicly, I'll confess you before my Father who is in heaven. If you have been reconciled to God, you've experienced His grace and love and mercy. Paul goes on here in verse 10 to say that you are God's workmanship. The word there is poema. God's work of art, his poem, we get our word poem from that word. You're his poema, his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. As they pointed out, good works cannot be the root of salvation, but they should always be the fruit of salvation. You're God's poema. You've not only been saved from something, but for something. Are you living out God's purpose in your life? The altar's open if you want to come and pray about that.